0: From Japan, I'm Frank Ling.
1: And from Chicago, Illinois, I'm
0: Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show.
1: That's right, it's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Kevin Davis will join us to discuss the $1,000 Genome.
0: So stay tuned for all of
1: this, plus the Grokatron 5000,
0: and our world famous question of the week,
1: coming right up here on the Grok's Science Show. The Rock's Science Show. Well, the world of genomic sequencing was once the stuff of million dollar science, but rapid advances in technology are quickly driving down the cost to the point of routine affordability. What will be the consequences of genomic sequencing for our lives, health, and society? Well, joining us today to discuss this issue is Dr. Kevin Davis. Dr. Davis is currently editor in chief of BioIT World and was founding editor of Nature Genetics. Author of *Cracking the Genome*, his latest work, *The Thousand Dollar Genome*, explores this issue for a general audience, and we like to thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. I am
2: delighted to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: Uh, well, certainly our pleasure, and this is really a very fascinating book, *The Thousand Dollar Genome*, <laughs> in which you talk about the advent of affordable genomic sequencing. I'm, I'm wondering maybe if you can set this in a context and talk about maybe the history of genomic sequencing.
2: Uh, sure, brief history. I think most of your listeners will remember the Human Genome Project, of course, an epic government effort in which uh, scientists around the world were, in the end, racing against Craig Venter and his biotech company Solera, and President Clinton declared a tie of sorts in 2000. The price tag of that was conservatively put at about $2 billion. Hmm. So just a decade ago, the very first human genomes were sequenced for $2 billion, and it took, you know, 10, 10 plus years to lay the groundwork for that. Fast forward seven years to 2007, and James Watson, the man who co-discovered the structure of DNA back in 1953, the, the famous iconic double helix, was presented with his own personal genome for about a million dollars. Still quite a lot of money, but a tremendous reduction compared to the Human Genome Project. And now, today, any of your listeners, if they happen to have $20,000, something like that, uh, with nothing better to do, can go into their doctor's office, ask their doctor nicely to write them a note, for a complete genome sequence, and uh, their their family physician can send that off to a company in San Diego called Illumina, and Illumina will sequence your DNA, your complete genome. We're not talking about one of these newfangled consumer genetics tests. This will be your your whole human genome for under $20,000 to exactly the same level of depth and accuracy that Nobel laureates like James Watson have received, so something to think about.
1: Right. <laughs> so, so it was taken advantage of by the general public. I mean, Well,
2: it is. I mean, I don't know if you saw the news just just a month or two ago. Uh, Ozzy Osborne uh, has uh, <laughs> uh, taken up the challenge and is going to be sequenced. In fact, I was at a conference this weekend and I met the guy who was actually sequencing Ozzy's genome. <laughs> I don't think he's still quite gotten over the shock, and he said he's really looking forward to meeting the uh, the Black Sabbath lead singer uh, next month when he comes to collect his results.
0: What a claim Um, to fame.
2: I know, I know. Um, Other people who, of course, are in the public eye, Glenn Close, uh, it was announced, was uh, sequenced earlier this year by the company I just mentioned, Illumina. She hasn't publicly discussed her findings, but I think the feeling is she's been very active in running foundations for mental illness, some family history there, so that's great. Skip Gates, the um, Harvard professor who did the BS series Faces of America, and his uh, Mm -hmm. father have also been sequenced, as well as a few uh, pretty famous scientists and some biotech executives and people with with money burning a hole in their pocket.
1: Is the technology at the point yet where uh, those people can actually take advantage of the information that they get from a whole genome sequence? I mean, great, great point,
2: and, and probably the short answer is no. In other words, in a way, sequencing your genome is the easy part, making sense of it, completely understanding what your DNA can tell you about your risk for the health conditions that most of us would care about, the common diseases that affect us like diabetes, heart disease, cancer, and, and some mental illness, including Alzheimer's, we're still at the very early stages of figuring out what is the genetic component uh, of those diseases. We, obviously, we don't completely understand the environmental components either, uh, and that's the point. These are complex. There's a mishmash of genes that are, that are involved. Environmental triggers are, are obviously important, and no scientist, I don't think, on your show, no guest on your show would, would have the gall to say, oh, yeah, we've completely under, we completely understand the mechanisms behind heart disease and so until we know that what you can glean from your DNA sequence um, is going to be a little limited but it is getting more and more sophisticated over time and the good news is even if you pay ten or twenty thousand dollars now to have your genome fully sequenced, your genome is not really going to change between now and a year or five years or ten years. So that information will be on a secure website somewhere, and when you go back, you know, as you you age, the amount of information that can be extracted from that sequence is going to get richer and richer and richer.
1: But right now, it's like taking a machine gun to a knife fight, in a way. It's,
2: well, the first when the first sequ- whole genome sequence service was offered, the, the list price was three hundred fifty thousand dollars by a company in Boston called Gnome, K-N-O-M-E, and you had to wonder what on earth would make someone spend that amount of money when probably the end result was, well, um, uh, you know, Mr. So-and-so, uh, try eating more broccoli. You know, uh, and that, that's probably the only thing we can really tell you. But the price has, as I say, has come down tremendously, and uh, obviously, I don't. Expect too many of your listeners are going to be rushing to their doctor's office tomorrow morning, saying, "Hey, hey, write me a prescription. I've got twenty thousand dollars. I want to be sequenced." But tens of thousands of people, including myself, and I spend a reasonable amount of, of time in in, the, in my book, "The Thousand Dollar Gene," and talking about this experience, have under have gone through consumer genetic testing offered by companies such as 23andMe and Navigenics in in California. And for a fraction of that money, as as little as $500, you can still get a tremendous amount of information about disease risks as well as your ancestry and so on.
1: Hmm. Uh, Do you think most doctors and even consumers are even prepared to deal with that level of information?
2: Well, I think, yeah, to, to, two different points. I mean, consumers, tens of thousands of consumers have, uh, over the past couple of years, have opted to take advantage of this. And some may, I think, with some justification, say, well, even $500 is still a lot of money. Um, earlier this year, on April the 23rd, which I remind you was National DNA Day, 23 had did a, a marketing masterstroke. They lowered the price for one day only to $100. And mm. there was a huge surge in uptake. I, at the company where I work... Uh, Uh, dozens of people uh, rush to take that up. So if you've got even the slightest curiosity, it's worth kind of just waiting to see. I wouldn't be surprised if that sort of offer uh, comes up again. Whether your doctor is going to encourage you to do this or is going to understand what you're trying to tell him or her when you, as I did a year ago, take with a report that you printed off the website from one of these companies and dump it on their desk and say, could you tell me what you make of, of my, you know, my gene on chromosome eight that appears to influence my risk for multiple sclerosis or something? I mean, they're just probably going to look at it and throw it in the, in the trash bin. And that's, you know, kind of a, a big concern for people in this field, which is that the medical establishment really has a very, very poor understanding of modern genetics. They just, they've been out of school too long and they don't really understand or comprehend what what's what we've learned in this, the last two years from these genetic advances.
1: Hmm. Recently, I guess there was over-the-counter genetics test uh, attempted to be sold at Walmart, but that was kind of pulled off the shelf by regulatory agencies, the FDA. Do you think regulations really needed in this? I,
2: I'm in two minds as to whether it's needed. I think it's coming. It's interesting that you you I mean, you bring up the case uh, earlier this year company in California called Pathway Genomics, which had been offering its test over the internet, very a test, to all intents and purposes, very similar to, to the test that 23andMe uh, introduced at the end of 2007. They decided, well, now we're going to put it in, in the high street pharmacy in, in Walgreens. And the FDA, which had been turning a kind of a blind eye to this whole field for more than two years, suddenly woke up, suddenly was galvanized into action and said, no, no, you're not doing that. We don't want uh, people kind of panicking in the the, the aisles of uh, Walgreens or CVS because of, because of what they might learn from a, from a DNA test. The FDA hasn't taken any further action yet But certainly, the fact that it's holding hearings and has signaled its intent and its jurisdiction on the field of consumer genetics has scared off a number of these companies. Um, So many of them now still offer tests, but you've got to go through your doctor uh, in order to get them. The only real exception is 23andMe. So basically, if you want to get a complete genome survey uh, of your DNA and you want to do it over the internet and you don't Feel that you need to worry to concern your doctor, and certainly that's how I feel, then 23andMe is. It's probably really the only place that you can go to do that right now.
0: Mm. Why does the FDA have a problem with retail sales but they don't have a problem with internet sales? That makes yeah, no sense I think, to no, me. no, it
2: seems inconsistent to me. I, great, great point and I think it just, it's because it, it's suddenly, cause it, it's, suddenly it's, it's staring consumers in the face consu- who, who aren't, you know, if it's on the internet, you've kind of got to go and seek it out and therefore you've probably done a little bit of due diligence and some research and you're motivated and so the chances of you searching out a, a website and then worrying about what what you're ordering, that doesn't really make sense. But if you're just casually perusing the aisles of your local high street pharmacy and you see this, you may be confused and you may take it home having bought the box and sent off your sample and not quite realize what you're getting into. So I think it was that sort of fear.
0: Well, are they thinking that someone's looking for a pregnancy test and they're going (laughs) to pick up the genetics test instead?
2: Yeah, I I don't know. But certainly the FDA is going to start looking into this and I think... it really wouldn't, you know, there's a lot of different information that these tests can give you. They can give you ancestry information, and the FDA is not worried about that. They don't care if you're tracing, you know, whether you have uh, primarily European DNA or Asian or African DNA. That's fine. You, you can do that. No, no worries there. Um, but it's this sort of, it's this gray area which a lot of the consumer genetics services are, are offering now, which is what is your own individual genetic risk for type 2 diabetes or Alzheimer's or multiple sclerosis or Parkinson's disease um, because these are not straightforward genetic tests in the way that we've often thought about them up until now where either you have the gene mutation or you don't. You're either a carrier for cystic fibrosis or muscular dystrophy or you're not. These are tests that primarily uh, involve multiple genes and so what these companies do is they, they don't with what the algorithm is, but they comp- they look at the, your variants in a, in a whole cluster of different genes that have been associated with let's say prostate cancer or breast cancer. These are, these are not genes they 've made up these are genes that have been published in the top 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 peer review journals so sure. they 're screaming off the, the best research that is out there, and then they 're looking at your own specific DNA variations, your own um, code and based on your own code, they tell you what is your average risk. Are you above the the average national risk or below? I did this for many diseases, and one of the things that sort of surprised me, uh, and I mean you know, I've got a PhD in genetics, but I, I was still a little shocked at this, is that the risk can change over time. And I had a very dramatic example with prostate cancer, which was that when I first did one of these tests about 18 months ago, um, I got a result that said I had an above average risk for prostate cancer. Not by very much, but enough that I sort of, you know, circled it and said, why well, better come back to that. Three months later, I went back to that website. And suddenly my risk was below average, and I was pretty sure, you know, nothing had changed in my diet, and my my prostate was probably much the same. But what had happened is that more papers, more scientific papers had been published that The company had computed more of those genes into the calculation and, I suppose good news for me, I had low-risk variants in those new genes and so that brought my calculated risk down. So, the point is this is very early days for understanding the genetic basis of these diseases and I think people think, oh my God, you know, this is the last word. It is absolutely not and for the most part the companies have done a very good job of stressing the fact this is not diagnostic information. It's not even intended for medical use. It's for your information, and it's, it's early days. It's preliminary information, but that doesn't mean that it, it, it can't be useful, particularly if you kind of think about it in terms of your own family history.
1: How quickly do you think both the medical establishment, uh, the private industry, and consumers are sort of like building up to now make use of this new found information that's being? Well,
2: out? I can tell you, uh, the med. The, I mean, there are portions of the medical establishment that I think just you want to see this sort of consumer driven revolution, if you will, just sort of you know, buried <laughs> and stopped dead in its tracks. Then again, there are groups of physicians who are taking their head out of the sand and saying that this this is coming. It is inevitable. The price of your genome sequencing, which yeah, we've, we've said earlier is about $20,000, I promise you it will come down to $1,000. Mm-hmm. It's going to be as easy to get your full genome sequenced as it is to get an MRI or an X-ray. It's going to be possible to do it at birth. After all, every newborn baby born today is having heel stick tests where they are tested genetically for about 50 different Diseases, very serious diseases like phenylketonuria, because you know, we want to catch those as soon as possible. Well, if we're going to the trouble of doing that, why don't we just you know, take that little DNA sample and pop it in one of these newfangled machines and sequence everything, and then maybe put it in at some sort of secure database, and with, with as, the, as the child gets older, with the parent, parents' permission, you know, unlock some of those results on, on a sort of age-related uh, need-to-know basis. Thankfully there are some physicians who see this revolution coming and trying to develop the, you know, the, the pipelines uh, because it's a huge amount of information. I mean, I'm sure you've had, you've talked about the human genome on, on previous shows. It's three billion letters of A's, C's, G's and T's. <laughs> and somehow you've got to distill that uh, into results that A, a doctor can interpret and B, communicate in the, you know, w- what's, what's the average time that a, that a patient sees their family physician? Is it 12 minutes or something? You know, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a massive um, logistical challenge. And I'm not pretending to say that anybody's really found the answer yet.
1: Right. So this always brings up some kind of old issues regarding uh, genetic testing in the sense that if you have predisposition for diseases, it might lead to some kind of genetic discrimination.
2: It's a, it's a legitimate concern. Yeah. I mean, thankfully, we, we now have federal legislation. So, mm-hmm. you know, geneticists and, and yeah, many politicians have been trying for years and years to, to pass something. Finally, just before, uh, just before um, President Bush left office, actually, mm-hmm. uh, he signed into law, uh, GINA, which stands for the Genetic Information and Non-Discrimination Act. Most of the expert opinions I've seen on this law suggest that it really is a very solid piece of legislation that provides assurances that you cannot be discriminated against by either your employer or your health insurer, on the, basis of a, on the basis of any genetic information, and I've seen at least one report in the in the media of a of a woman who believes she was wrongfully terminated from her job because of because she was undergoing breast cancer gene testing, and is suing under GINA. Uh, under this legislation, I don't know what the results of that will be. So for the most part, I think people can be reassured that we're not entering some age where big brother or, or, or our employer is going to uh, uh, kick us out because, you know, we all carry some genetic glitch or another and, it, you know, it, once, we, once we go down that slope, well, I mean, no one would be working at a company, they'd all, be, they'd all have to be let go for one reason or another.
1: <laughs> what does this uh, really imply for a new era of personalized medicine?
2: Eventually, it will mean an awful lot. We're only beginning to see, I mean, people have been talking about personalized medicine for years and years, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, my editor <laughs> insisted that we, we put it in the subtitle of the book, and I'd certainly talk about it towards the end of, of the $1,000 genome. There are some encouraging signs. Um, we're not yet at the point where you can go to your physician and he, he or she will say, okay, well, we're gonna give you this drug because you have this uh, gene variant on chromosome three and that drug because you have, uh, or this dose because you have uh, another variant on chromosome 16. We're not there yet. Nevertheless, particularly in the cancer field, genetic analysis, whether for specific mutations or for the activity of groups of genes, particularly, for example, in, in uh, uh, patients with, with breast cancer, now there are tests that can look to see whether you're li- more, more or less likely to have a, either a breast cancer recurrence or, or metastasis. Uh, and so you, there are tests that can be, be done. And I was at a conference just this weekend and heard a, just a really gratifying and sort of heartwarming example of a cancer patient who went to a leukemia patient who was seen at a uh, clinic in St. Louis where there's a major genome center. They did full genome sequencing because the the therapy and the chemotherapy regimen that this patient was on just wasn't working. And the genome sequencing uh, revealed a a very unusual, very novel kind of DNA rearrangement. And after they kind of put the jigsaw puzzle together and figured out what was happening at the molecular level, the doctors were able to say, you know what, we need to go back to this other kind of chemo. And uh, the patient has made really a remarkable recovery. So we're beginning to see the the very first glimmers, uh, glimmerings of, of, of genomic medicine, which is incredibly
1: exciting. Well, wow, think wow. so we're running slightly out of time. I'm just curious if maybe uh, you can close with a vision of what medicine will be like in uh, several years with the new era of genomic sequencing. And yeah,
2: well, I, you know, part of my book, I talk about. Uh, yeah, we've, we've talked about the companies that are now offering you sort of a $10,000 genome. There's a whole group of very exciting companies. Some, some in, uh, in California, some in the UK, some you know, all over the place that are really working feverishly on third-generation technologies that uh, you remember Mr. Spock and the Tricorder on Star Trek. I mean, it's really not that kind of wild to think that within maybe five years, we could be looking at a machine that, you know, is the size of, of, a, of a small video recorder. I don't even know if they make those anymore, but like a small DVD and, and can sequence a, a whole genome's worth of DNA. in, in you know, people are talking about the 15-minute genome uh, for $100. I mean, a, a company that's about to go public is talking about that uh, and predicts that that's going to be with us by 2014. So I do believe we're not far away from maybe every newborn being genetically screened at birth completely. Our genome sequence being part of our electronic health record, that to me seems to be almost the easy part. It's getting the medical establishment to and and finding the pipeline that they can use and and, and leverage that information for our well-being. Uh, I think that's kind of the bigger challenge, amazingly enough.
1: Mm, Indeed. Uh, The new book is called The Thousand Dollar Genome. Uh, Dr. Davis, I want to thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure and you were just listening to kevin davis discussing the thousand dollar genome this is the grok's science show coming up in just a few minutes is the grokatron 5000 so stay tuned
2: here's a little song i wrote you might want to sing it note for note don't worry be happy in every life we have some trouble i give you my phone number, when you worry, call me, I'll make you happy. It It will soon pass, whatever it is. Don't worry, be happy.
1: Alright, it's time to play our game, it's called the Grokatron 5000. It is our supercomputer, formerly known as Deep Blue. And today the Grokatron 5000 has chosen the topic, wild type or mutant? So for the following five individuals, the Rockatron 5000 would like to know if you would classify them as wild-type or mutant, and uh, maybe a little reason why. Dr. Davis, you ready to play the game? I think I'm going to get into trouble with <laughs> well, we, it. We try. That's kind of the point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, here we go. Uh, person number one, is wild-type or mutant, it's the uh, actress Lindsay Lohan. Ooh, wow. <laughs>
2: um, you know, I... Uh, I remember she played twins, didn't she? So maybe she can be both, wild type and I remember, I remember parent chat fondly when my, when my kids were growing up. So well, I'll say both. Okay.
0: All right, and now number two, the Pope.
2: <laughs> uh,
1: I'm not touching that one. He's, he's wild type for sure. <laughs> All right. uh, number three, it's the uh, famed evolutionary biologist, Richard Dawkins.
2: Richard Dawkins and the God delusion. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I kind of I I go along with Richard. I'd say he's he's wild type. He's uh, yeah, he's all intact. I think.
0: All right, and then and now uh, number four, Mel Gibson.
2: Mel Gibson. Wow. Yes, I just saw his latest rant on TMZ or whatever. <laughs> that's that's a mutant, I think, for sure.
0: <laughs> all right, and now finally, our former governor Rod Blagojevich.
2: Yeah mutant. He's got something, he's got a gene that's done something to his hair that, you know, I don't think anybody else on the planet has. So uh, we need to isolate that
1: gene, I think, for sure.
0: <laughs> the Samson gene. Right. Um,
1: <laughs> well, uh, Dr. Davis, I want to thank you very much, for sticking around, playing the game, and of course, talking about uh, the new book, The Thousand Dollar Genome. Thank you. Thank you again. Thank Bye. you. Well, this is Grox Science Show. I've been Charles Lee.
0: And I'm Elise. And we we'll
1: are back into more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to see us, you can do so on the web. Our web address is www.grox.net. You can also email us at science at And we're on Facebook. Have a great afternoon. <laughs>